The reason of this call is to inform you that IRS is filing legal lawsuit against you. To get more information about this case file, please call immediately on our department number. Thank you. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Please go to the website and check out all the articles that I've been writing um, that don't make it to the podcast form. Make sure you guys are signing up for the email newsletter. Today I have Jared Gordon online, bringing a wealth of experience from the water investing and all kinds of uh, strange things that we'll talk about here, equities, venture funding, and other ways of investing. Two first years of your company, you grew your annual investments from seven to 60 million and managed operations for 50 multifamily buildings. Um, But tell us a little bit your backstory. How'd you get started in real estate yourself? Um, I started investing uh, at 18. I mean, I grew up on Kiyosaki, kind of before he was Kiyosaki, I mean, he was an infomercial guy selling, selling information on infomercials. And I was watching him at, you know, 12 years old. And so as soon as I could, I bought my first uh, investment house. Um, it was an interesting process because I'd never even, I mean, I lived with my parents and then I lived in the dorms. So I had never even rented from anybody. And here I was a landlord trying to figure out you know, what that was all like, but, uh, but definitely a crash course and, and learning and started single family and kind of worked my way up from there. Yeah. When did you kind of realize that the single family wasn't going to cut it? Well, I went through a couple of different markets. I've been doing this for quite a while now. At first, you know, I set these goals to have, you know, five single family homes in places that I would like to be. I'd let the tenants pay them off. By the time I was in my 50s, I could you know, spend a couple months in each one. And, and that was really my whole ambition. And then, you know, the market changed. I went to Europe. I was doing some investing in Europe. And, and that's the first time I did anything other than just single family um, came back and at that time I was doing single family fix and flips. So totally different market and private lending. It really wasn't until my son was born that I realized that I had to scale up and do it better. A lot of us like working and one of the negative consequences of being someone who loves working is that you actually structure your life so you're working all the time. <laughs> when my son was born, I realized I couldn't keep doing that. I had to, you know, I wanted to be home with him. I wanted to be present. And so I had to figure out how to be more effective. And that's where scaling up really started to make sense. So you got this thing called the 500-200 strategy. And you know, the listeners always like to hear these, these new uh, rules of thumb or concepts. So explain that one to us. Yeah. So we built a model around creating $200,000 a year of cash flow within 10 years with an initial investment of $500,000. So we found a lot of our investors were using retirement funds. They didn't need the cash flow right away. Their real focus was about an exit plan um, from their their nine to five. And so the 500, 200 can work for anyone, but that's who it was really created for was, you know, you start now with 500,000. Um, and then every um, couple of years, we do either a refinance or a sale of an asset, preferably a refinance where we're buy and hold investors. So we're, we're not looking to sell and shed assets, but, and then pull out equity and, and roll that into another deal and keep growing the base so that at the end of the 10 year period, there's 200,000 of passive cash flow available. Um, Plus, of course, your net worth has grown, which is important to people. But a lot of people are just going, okay, how do I replace and either meet or exceed my existing income in retirement? And 
you know, and I use the word retirement loosely. I mean, we have a lot of investors who are doing this strategy at 30 years old and, you know, plan to have that income by 40, right? So it just, um, you know, you don't have to be 50 going on 60 or 55 going on 65 for it to work. Right. So 500 times, you know, 10% return a year is only $50,000. Um, but in, in here, your, your math, you're doing a 10-year plan to get you up to 200000 Exactly. Because what we're doing is we're taking, you know, you start with 500, but then when you add the value to the property, do a supplemental loan, refinance, pull out some equity, buy another property, you're still getting cash flow on the previous property. Um, you maybe not a 10% cash on cash yield anymore. Maybe it's an eight, but you're also now getting, you're rolling that upside in. you're not leaving it tied in the property. So we monitor that very closely, make sure we don't have any lazy money sitting around in assets and, and roll that into the next deal so that you're also getting cash flow on that new deal. So by the time you're 10 years out, you're not, you're not making 10% on 500,000 anymore. You know, you've grown that base to, to almost 1.5. Right. I like it. It's, it's not like the, uh, the catchphrase is you hear double your money in five years. If you're thinking 20% IRRs, I talked to a lot of people that, you know, they just book a call with me and they're like, well, I got 500,000 liquid doing within they're making like 5% on that money. If that, in the stock market that could evaporate any day now. Right. Your specialty is investing internationally and especially in, we talk about Puerto Rico here in a little bit, but you know, it's something that a lot of, we haven't really talked about in this podcast very much. We mostly do domestic United States, but um, you know, what, what are the, the benefits of investing in like Puerto Rico? What's special about there? I don't know if I'd even say my specialty is international, but I would say I've, I've gone international when the U.S. didn't make any sense anymore, right? So if I could invest in the U.S. and make the kinds of yields that'll hit my strategic plan, then, I, then why not stay in your backyard? So, so that's the default position. But having said that, like in 2006, um, I left the U.S. and started investing in Europe. Um, and then in 2014, <clears throat> did the same thing, started looking around internationally again and discovered Puerto Rico. And what, what I like about Puerto Rico is it's a U.S. territory. So, you know, I understand what the tax laws are going to be. I understand um, the support from the U.S. government. That I know what the lending policies and procedures are. Everything's very much what I'm used to. I use Stuart Title for my closings. Um, so there's a lot of things that are very similar. Um, whereas when I've done things internationally previously, there's a huge learning curve. And yet Puerto Rico is not... 100% the U.S. either, right? So it's this unique hybrid that gives us the opportunity to also get higher yields. Um, you know, even before the hurricane, there were great opportunities. But now after the hurricane, there's just, there's a ton of opportunities in Puerto Rico, high cash flowing, high yield, um, well-built buildings that are getting good tourism. I mean, what people don't realize is, you know, Puerto Rico is probably going to have a record um, quarter this last quarter. Um, every hotel is booked. Every you know plane is booked. People are coming in and out, and the economy is actually the fundamentals in the economy um, are actually pretty impressive. I mean, I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing down there, and so I have sort of the the comfort of investing with what I already know stateside, combined with the upside and opportunities that people seek when they go international. So when you're looking at Costa Rica or Belize or or you know Eastern Europe, um, you want that that additional upside, but with it, you're taking some additional learning curve, which means additional risk. 
um, Puerto Rico to me has that upside without that second risk component. I've read a lot of stuff about, you know, the, the baby boomers. I mean, a lot of them are obviously moving to warmer places, the southern mm-hmm. part of the United States, Arizona and Florida, kind of jokingly, but, you know, a lot of them are moving out of the country and, you know, yeah. Belize is always one that comes up, Puerto Rico. So all of your, your investment strategy, is it geared more towards the long-term rental or the short-term vacation? Yeah, right now we're focused primarily on short-term vacation rentals. Um, the hospitality industry is good there, but even the, even the um, baby boomers who move down there, of which there are a lot, um, they tend to rent, you know, a fully staged, ready to go. So it's sort of a hybrid between maybe a short-term and long-term rental, or they'll come down for a season. Or one big thing we find is we'll set up a place and we'll rent it to a couple that's down there for the majority of the year, but they like the flexibility of us owning a number of condos in the same complex because then they have a place for their kids to stay when they come down. And the nice thing is, you know, with the, with Puerto Rico being a U.S. territory, it's like people don't have to get a passport. You don't need a visa. You don't, you just, you hop on a plane and you fly down to Puerto Rico. So it's a lot easier when a baby boomer retires to Puerto Rico than let's say Costa Rica, because there's much less planning that has to happen by their kids who are dealing with their own kids and all their life. They can just come down and visit them. Um, and so we, we, we really cater towards that demographic primarily. Right, they can just hop a plane to Dallas or Houston and then they're there. Other than the 27 weeks of curated content for the passive investor, the new mastermind will offer bi-weekly power calls with the following format. First week of every month, we will dial in on being a direct investor or simple passive cash flow 1.0 I call it, which is getting your first rental, negotiating, sourcing, operation, etc. Second week of every month, we will discuss holistic wealth building topics or what I call simple passive cash flow 2.0 plus, which is holistic wealth management, syndications, private placements, tax, legal, lifestyle design, etc. Get a sense of this format by checking out the guide to taxes video at simplepassivecashflow.com backslash tax. I'll be honest, some things I can't say to the general public because it's too personal and it's not to say bad things about others. Unless you're in the mastermind. One rule we have is what happens in the mastermind stays in the mastermind. To get in, go to simplepassivecashflow.com backslash journey. Don't be left out and join the day. If you've been waiting on the sidelines, this is your moment and not to be taken by an institutionalized education program. For the more the long-term rentals, what are the rental value ratios down there? We really have avoided long-term rentals because like um, it's the same thing in Chicago or, or other their parts of the US, the laws are not very favorable to landlords. So if you get a tenant in there that's not good, that's not paying, it's not really easy to handle that. So we've avoid we we really haven't looked at anything in the long-term space um, currently. We will do some building and repositioning and selling um, in the next couple of years of long term, but that's you know, buy build a condo to sell, not not to rent it out on a long term. So you're mostly focusing on the class A short term and, you know, what kind of uh, yes. rents are they, are they fetching per night on these things? Yeah. I mean, you can get anywhere from 150 to 300 a night, depending on, you know, if you're low season, high season, you know, one thing that's nice about Puerto Rico is they kind of have two high seasons. A lot of uh, destinations, especially beach destinations only have the winter season, right? When all the snow birds are coming down to get out of the cold and and come down to the Bahamas or come down to the Caribbean. Um, But Puerto Rico has their own very wealthy demographic as well. And so 
local Puerto Ricans don't go in the ocean in the winter. It's too cold for them, right? They're acclimated. You might know this from being in Hawaii. Like, I don't know if it's the same there, but like people in Puerto Rico who live there are cold in the winter. They wear jackets. Like, even though we think, oh, this is lovely weather, they're freezing. They don't want to go in the water. So their, um, their tourism season is through the summer. So you have, a, you have a traditional summer beach season where local Puerto Rican families will go. And I always equate it to like New York going to the Hamptons. Like people from San Juan will come down to Cabo Rojo. The wife and kids will rent a place for a week or two weeks. Dad will work Monday through Thursday. He'll come down for long weekends. So you see that same sort of um, summer season in Puerto Rico. And then you also have your international and U.S., uh, winter season where people are getting away from the cold weather and coming down. Um, so that's really nice. You have a very, very long season where there's only about four months out of the year that are in um, tourism months. Right. And, and, you know, funny you mentioned Hawaii, you know, people like to do the Airbnb here, but there's a lot of government restriction on that stuff out here just because the hotel industry is so strong and it is a more of a conservative environment. Uh, I mean, we're still trying to get Uber to come to the airport here. Right. Hey, Simple Passive Cashflow listeners, I'm very excited to be announcing our very first Hui Investor Tour. I'm taking you guys out to Atlanta, Birmingham, and Huntsville. Check out some properties, meet some people I work with, and uh, for the most part, just get you guys comfortable with the Class B and C locations out there. I think a lot of you guys are going to be pleasantly surprised in what you get for 100 grand uh, that can rent for potentially $1,000. So it's going to be taking place on July 21st to the 24th. 2019. And um, I think one of the biggest draws is you guys get to connect with some of the other people out there. So check out the info page. We've got some early bird pricing. It's going to be, the price will likely be going up. One of the big reasons I'm doing this is because, you know, some feedback I've been getting is, you know, I've sent some people up to kind of connect with my folks and then they come back and they're like, oh, wow, that really makes me feel a lot better. And I, I was able to build a lot of personal relationships with property managers and get a sense of the neighborhoods up there. And now I don't got to go back because I don't want to go back to Birmingham because it's a little boring. So some of what you'll see is, well, you know, we'll take some tours of some properties, some of my properties. We'll even check out some apartments and we'll meet, meet some people. We'll have some dinners together as a group. So that's the big thing about building relationships with other serious and passive investors. The itinerary will be on Sunday. We'll be arriving into Atlanta. You guys are in charge of your own flights because you guys are grown-ups. We'll kind of rally up in the evening. That'll be the travel day. So rally up in the evening at the hotel, have a little program for you guys. Uh, we'll we'll kind of do a little mixer. We, we're trying to incorporate a lot of fun into this. The next day, Monday, it's our early rise and shine. We'll be heading out to some properties, meeting a bunch of people, and then we'll try and do a little bit of fun tourist activity, either on the Beltline, which is the, um, the old converted railroad tracks that they've it's kind of a big linear park upscale park that goes around the city or we'll do something in Decatur which is on the east side of Atlanta which is where a lot of my rental properties are and you'll see a lot of the gentrification out there so on the next day on Tuesday we'll be heading out as a group to Birmingham and can be doing the same thing there Birmingham's not as fun but we'll have some barbecue out there and then we'll do another um, evening workshop at the hotel on the fourth day Wednesday the plan is you guys are going to go out to um, you guys can choose your own own adventure you guys can come with me to check out my deals in Huntsville check out the location or you guys if you guys just want to go out and break out um, there's a Kansas City and Braves game at 730 or you can go see that mythical panda at the zoo. It's going to be a very fast-paced, fun 
trip. The idea is get you guys in there, get you guys um, acclimated with the location, get you familiar. We've got a lot of special guests, um, a lot of the people I trust, and um, they'll be dropping their knowledge on you guys, helping you guys out. It'll be sort of like a boot camp style, be able to ask me any questions. I'll be with you guys the whole time. And uh, make sure you guys hurry up and we'll try and figure out a way to split up the transportation once we get a finalized headcount at this point. Mastermind members, if you guys haven't heard about that, go past the cashflow.com slash journey. You guys will be getting a 30% discount. Um, but I want to make the tour very flexible for you guys. So if you guys can only make it on like one or two days, that's better than nothing. And uh, you guys will you, know, you guys be into the, the whole program of meeting the folks and seeing the right things. Uh, we're going to try and keep the, the group size a little small, you know, eight to 15 people, enough to fit in a van and a few cars. Um, just so everybody gets to meet each other. I always try and keep it a more of an intimate environment. But if you guys have any more questions, uh, don't be afraid to email me, lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. Check out the website, simplepassivecashflow.com slash tour 2019. And I hope to see you there in June 21st in Atlanta. So how's it with Puerto Rico with all the, uh, the short-term rentals? Are you, using, you guys using Airbnb? And yes, they are very supportive. Puerto Rico, so the Puerto Rican Tourism Bureau actually privatized um, late last year. Um, and they've been refocusing their efforts to bring even more people down, make more people aware of Puerto Rico not just Airbnbs, but, but really trying to foster investors that they give tax incentive for investors to buy, you know, buildings. And I see a lot of places where smaller investors come down and they buy, you know, a, a fourplex or a, or a duplex and convert it into almost like a little youth hostel. I mean, I don't personally want to get into managing bed by bed by bed, but if somebody's smaller and wants to get into the business, it's a great opportunity. Um, and Puerto Rico has been very supportive. That makes a total sense. I mean, it's kind of like, you, know, you hear all the horror stories of people going down to Mexico and getting kidnapped. Right. But, you know, if you're, I've heard, also heard, you know, if you're going down there spending a lot of money, they leave you alone, right? Because they know that's how the only way the country's making money. Right. Um, so they kind of leave the high end alone. So it makes total sense what's happening here. What's the, um, the lending environment for some of these short-term rentals? Is it, can you get leverage on this stuff? Lending is difficult down there. There's a lot of private money. So think of, I don't know how involved you were in Arizona when the credit crisis first hit. I mean, you just, you couldn't get, well, and it was really like this, I guess, throughout the U.S., but I was investing in Arizona and it was difficult to get capital. So it's that way right now. I mean, the Puerto Rican banking system was not bailed out the way the U.S. banking system was. And so what we're seeing down there is what it would have looked like if the U.S. banks were allowed to fail. So a lot of banks failed, which meant the stronger banks ended up taking on toxic, toxic assets onto their balance sheet, and they had to work through those organically. They weren't subsidized in the same way that a lot of the banks in the U.S. were subsidized. Um, and then in addition, obviously, people are aware of Puerto Rico's um, underlying bond rating issues and, and government credit issues, which makes it difficult for like a Fannie or Freddie loan to be guaranteed, securitized, and sold. And so because of all of those factors, your, your sort of traditional go-to banking systems are not very robust. What happens in those markets, though, is that individual investors create an opportunity. Um, so there's a lot of capital coming down to Puerto Rico, but it's, it's private capital, it's wealthy individuals that are partnering with operating in investors and either providing um, you know, hard money loans or JV type structure, you know, MES debt. So there is capital down there. There's a lot of capital down there, but it's not 
you don't go to the bank and get a mortgage. The recession was, you know, over 10 years ago, we've mostly forgotten about the impact on the banks of that. Banks are lending again, they're aggressive, they're long on real estate. Um, but if you think back 10 years ago, the climate's very similar right now in Puerto Rico, but so are the opportunities. The margins are big because of this. Do you ever think that Puerto Rico will open up the lending and start? I'm, I'm, I know they're working vigorously in that direction. Um, I mean, they certainly aren't, they don't have it closed down necessarily by choice or strategically. You know, it, it, they've got to repair their relationship with their bondholders and their debt and position themselves with the uh, debt investors that, that underlyingly buy those debt instruments before they'll have the leverage and the liquidity. Um, but a lot of the things they're doing to bring down wealthy individuals are helping. One of the things that allows banks to lend money out is having deposits in the bank. Um, so when you attract people like John Paulson down to Puerto Rico, he's investing you know, billions of dollars in Puerto Rico. He's also keeping money in the banks. And, and so are people like him. And so when there's money in the banks, the banks can lever that money up and lend it out. So it's a process and it has to work its way through the system. Yeah, and that'll really turbocharge the returns if that ever happens. What's the, the thoughts on Puerto Rico becoming a U.S. territory or another state? You know, it's been talked about forever. I'll believe it when I see it. There's, there's enough incentive for influential and wealthy Americans to you know, keep Puerto Rico as a territory uh, there's enough incentive for Puerto Ricans to want to stay a territory that I'm not sure that those incentives are outweighed by what they would gain by statehood. It'll just piss off a lot of rich Americans and it won't really increase much revenue for because there's not much revenue being created by the, the residents there. Right. So I've heard. Exactly. So, you know, I, I can't, you know, and, and, and Puerto Rico has its own unique culture. It's this hybrid between, you know, there's you know, a lot more Spanish down there than English. I mean, most people speak English. You can get by without, I don't speak Spanish yet. I'm learning slowly, but I'm very poor with languages. Um, you know, so you can get by without it. Business is done in English and Spanish. Um, but I mean, there are elements of their culture that are not, you know, your traditional American culture. Um, and so, it's more than just politics. There's, there's community and culture and other things involved and more than just economic. Big picture. How do we um, pull this together into our own portfolio if we just kind of wanted to get a, one little property out there and get some of this and maybe go and visit it from time to time? You hit the nail on the head. So one of the things that we do with a lot of our investors is they'll be part of either a syndicated condo complex um, where they have the right as part of their equity ownership to come and use the complex. I always tell people it's like a timeshare without all the ongoing fees because <laughs> you actually uh, will get cash flow from the ownership of the equity and you have a place that you can go and, and, uh, and use. And obviously there's some restrictions because there's other investors involved. Alternatively, there's individual units available. Um, if somebody just wants to know, hey, this is my unit. I want to throw it in the rental pool. Um, but I want to be able to use it whenever I want, because if you're part of the syndication, there's some, there's some restrictions. We have to make sure we hit our yields. Uh, either one works and people can just get in touch with us. The, the best thing to do is probably to email my um, director of investor development, Dave Grimm. So that's Dave, D-A-V-E, Dave at directsourcewealth.com. Um, and, and he can talk with you guys about you know, what options there are in Puerto Rico, but there's definitely some great ways to get involved, whether it's one condo unit for, you know, $100,000 or, um, you know, wanting to buy and, and have us do a turnkey building for you for, you know, 10 million. Um, there's a lot of opportunity and, and we can help facilitate that.
the timeshare stuff, that's a no-no. But the, uh, the direct ownership, that's what you want. And you want somebody to do the turnkey operation of it. You know, since you're kind of uh, living all these all over the map these days, what's something that you recently spent your money on for time savings or improvement in quality of life? Regularly spend money on grocery delivery. That's like my favorite service in the world. I hate grocery shopping. Weekly grocery delivery. Yeah, Amazon Prime. I'm a single mom. So basically anything that's not me hanging out with my boys or working someone else does. <laughs> um, I've So far, I've resisted getting a nanny or childcare person because I think it's important that I'm there for my boys. I'll spend money on pretty much any other service to make life a little easier. Right. I mean, I always thought about it's kind of expensive to buy takeout food. But when you factor in all the time to make it, go and food prep and go buy the groceries, it's it's a lot of time. Time is money. Thanks for jumping on the line. Why don't you um, give your the contact information one last time and then... Uh, We'll get you going. Yeah, so you can reach us by phone, um, 844-SOURCE-4, like source for deal, source for property. So 844-SOURCE-4. Or you can email Dave at directsourcewealth.com or even just go to our website and, and opt in on our, our listserv and we can get, get in touch with you that way. Thanks, Kara. appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.